Hello and welcome to Cloud Automation Weekly. My name is Thorsten Hilger and I'm here to talk about automating your AWS cloud infrastructure. Today I'm joined by Ron Eisenberg to talk about serverless Python. Ron, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. For folks who are just meeting you for the first time, could you share a bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, my name is Ron Eisenberg. I'm a principal software architect at Cyborg at the Platform Engineering Group. I'm an AWS community builder at the serverless group. And uh, I also uh, write blogs and, and maintain a serverless website around the builder.cloud where I share everything about serverless, to be honest. Yeah, that sounds perfect. So for starters, um, as we just renewed the, the new year for the community builders, maybe say one or two sentences. What, what is a community builder? Um, well, usually it's people um, that share information about AWS, uh, maybe thought leaders, maybe people that create projects, open source projects, pub do public speaking around uh, AWS services and information of how to work with AWS, what's the best practices for AWS. And it's a program meant to empower these people, to give them tools to meet each other, uh, connect, create more data, meet the AWS teams, um, and maybe even impact the roadmap for the services at AWS. So that's pretty amazing. Yeah, perfect. So congrats on being in this awesome program. And I will definitely link it because the next round will come up in a month for, for people to join. Back to you. So you're doing serverless. You mentioned you're in the serverless group of the builders. So you're doing serverless. And if I recall correctly, you're doing mostly Python. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So... What are your experiences with, with, with serverless and Python? Where do you see the problems and what did you do to solve them? <laughs> okay, uh, that's a big one. So started uh, over three years ago doing serverless. I had zero knowledge <laughs> on the serverless and it was pretty hard to start. I mean, starting a serverless service, even today, it's not as easy as I'd hope it, uh, it should be. Uh, because you need to solve and figure out many challenges that are not really related to your business domain. You need to understand how to do how to deploy to the cloud, how to write your CI/CD pipeline. What's what should be in your CI/CD pipeline? What's your deployment strategy to the cloud? How do you write Lambda handlers? How do you do observability, logging, metrics? You get the point. So it's, it's the entire ecosystem is new. So you have you need to figure this out. And one of the things that we saw at Sabark, like I said, I'm in the platform engineering group. My job is to accelerate uh, development in serverless and accelerate development in the cloud for Sabark teams. Uh, you could say it's like reducing cognitive load and let the teams basically focus on the business domain and have everything else pretty much get sorted out. And just we figure out the, the issues, the challenges. We tell them, hey, this is how we work, these are the pros and cons, this is how we work, we train them, we teach them, and then you could start working. And that sounds perfect. Um, so you mentioned a lot of tools. Uh, why can't I just go to the AWS console and click create Lambda function? Well, well you could, <laughs> you could, but uh, I, well, first of all, I'm not sure that's the best developer experience uh, working on the console and debugging on AWS. And, and it's not something that you can really you know, uh, reproduce all the time and do it at scale. So one of the things that we saw uh, that provide us, uh, so at one point we had, we, we kind of figured, hey, hey, we have this template, we have this uh, schema for how to write a new serverless service. We know how to do it. But then you say, hey, I need another service. Another team is going to build a serverless service. So either just 
going to copy what we did and then manually change all the code and the, the Lambda function names and whatever. No, it's going to take a lot of time, right? So we figured out that, hey, maybe it's better to make it a template, a serverless template in-house that you can, with just a few clicks, get started. You get your own repository, you get your own CICD pipeline, and it works. It already deploys to the cloud. It runs the test, and you have a sample service. You have an API gateway, triggers a Lambda that writes to a DynamoDB table, does something. And then you know how to write tests. You have some sample tests. You have the unit test integration and to end test. You have a fully working CICD pipeline and you can start working. And the Lambda handlers, they have all the logging, all the internal cyber SDKs, metrics, observability, it's all built in. So all you need to do is just change the Lambdas and implement the business domain. That's pretty much it. So that's the power of automation. You can just get going and start uh, developing. And in one instance that we have, we had a team. Uh, our at Cyberarch, many of our products uh, originally came from on-premise solutions, C++ on-premise. So it's a big change to go from that into Python development in the cloud, serverless especially. So in one instance, we did some training around the, the template, some workshops for uh, training in, on AWS in general. Uh, and then training on the template itself, how to use it, how to write code, how to debug, where they practiced adding new tests and new features. And in one instance, one team, developers of C++, in four months, they were able to bring a new product uh, to, to customers, which is pretty amazing, I think. Yeah, that's really amazing. So it, it, we saw, I saw that it has a lot of, it's, very, it's a powerful tool, right? And I decided at one point, why not make it into a community open project? Why not make it an open source? So I created a variation of that uh, template, serverless template service, and created uh, an open source, a serverless template service, open source. It's based on all community free open source code, and everybody can just, with free clicks, they can start their own serverless service. That's the, the premise. And hey, that sounds perfect. I will definitely link to it in the show notes. Um, so, yes, tell me, what, what do we get when we just clone this repository? Okay, so um, you're getting, you can, you can see, well, there, there are several folders. You have, I chose CDK as the framework to deploy code. So you're getting the CDK code uh, to deploy the service. The service itself is a basic order service, like the classic orders. You have an API gateway, a customer can post uh, and hey, here's my uh, new order request. My name is uh, X and I want to purchase uh, Y uh, 10, 10 products, right? And it triggers a Lambda function. It saves it to a DynamoDB. And I also added uh, dynamic config configuration and feature flags with app config. And that's the basic service that we start. That's what you're getting in the CDK, all the deployments. Then you have the Lambda code, the service code, uh, and the Lambda will have, uh, well, first of all, you get the project uh, folders, right? The, the, the handler is separated from the business domain. It, it's, we're going to use all the best practices for writing uh, handlers, Lambda function handlers. So the, the handler will get the input. It will part, do uh, input validation and uh, load all the configuration and environment variables and make sure that everything is, is okay. 
and it uses the edible standard particles for Python. And for those who don't know, that's an amazing repository for uh, basically every best practice in the cloud for tracing, logging, observability, input validation. And they actually launched, I think yesterday, uh, a .NET variation for the first time. So that's pretty amazing. And so we're getting the business logic, right? The, the writing to the database and the layer segregation, you have the DAL and you have the logic layer, you have the handler layer, that's great. Then you have the tests folder where um, I actually published this week a new blog series about uh, testing serverless. What's my guidelines on how, how, it's, how I think you should do it. So you have unit tests, you have infrastructure tests, you have integration tests and you have end-to-end -end tests. And then you also have the pipeline and the pipeline has pre-commit hooks. It has linters, static code analysis, style formatting, basically whatever, all, all the things that you, you think that Python needs, it has it, even complexity checks, right? So 100% um, code coverage, of course, and, and then there's also the makefile. I think the makefile is very important. So the pipeline, you can think of this uh, very common developer experience. You're running, you're, you're creating, you're writing new code, everything seems to be okay locally. You push, uh, you push the code to the pipeline and then it fails on some linters or some code coverage failures. Maybe your code coverage is not, is not enough. But then you want to, to sim you want to fix it and maybe simulate it locally to understand that it's fixed, right? You don't want to push again and wait five minutes. So I wrote a make file that basically runs all the linters, all the commands, all, all the things that the pipeline does, you can run them locally. So if it fails on code coverage, I can write, uh, make the command, whatever, it runs the code coverage, it displays me the updated code coverage. And I can see, did I fix it? Did, did I not? Where, what should I fix? Maybe linters. And I also have, I like to call it the magic command. You write make PR and it fixes all sorts of linters for you automatically and fixes styling issues for you. So when it finishes and you see it's green, you can be sure for 100% that when you're going to push it, it's going to work in the pipeline. And I forgot to say the pipeline is based on GitHub Actions, so it's also very free, and it works. Just you just yeah, create the new template, and you can just replace the secrets for your AWS account, and it should deploy. You write make deploy, and it deploys your uh, service to your account. Just works. Um, the, the secret so it's using environment variables for AWS configuration or the um, OpenID connect connection for GitHub Actions. Um, no, I didn't add OpenID okay. connection. That's uh, that's actually a, um, um, an improved suggestion that uh, uh, I, I can do. Yeah, but it sounds really cool. So, so you're using um, the GitHub Actions you mentioned, so not the CDK pipelines. Any special reason not to use the CDK pipelines if you're using CDK? No, um, that's also on my to-do list to just try it uh, because I was familiar with GitHub Actions. And since I had the make file already ready, um, it was very easy just to run commands, make this, do that. Um, no, no special reason to pass. I have never really tried it, and I think I should at some point. That's totally fine. I think there, there are different tools, so they, they all do the job, so why not? Yeah, so GitHub Actions is, is a very powerful thing. That, that's really cool. I definitely need to dive deeper into this and, and look exactly what, what you're doing here because that sounds like a lot of things people 
need to do and then don't do and do it manually because oh it's so hard to automate everything is already done so yeah. they can just start with a fully no automated thing yeah. yeah no excuses it's it's there just uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. That, that that sounds really cool um so yeah you mentioned for for, for infrastructure code you, using the cdk the lambda power tools are definitely a really cool thing i need definitely look into that because i think they only uh, also have a typescript version and so i'm mostly doing typescript but i think they also have the power tools for for javascript or typescript so I'll definitely look into this and yeah that, that sounds really really cool any experience with it so when, when did this launch did you get any feedback yet or did you use it for for a fun project um to try it out yeah um i actually well feedback is very uh, it's kind of hard to get feedback when you're doing open source i mean yes. other than issues uh well i the project has like uh, i think over 185 stars which is nice it's not like crazy a lot but it's nice That's uh, a lot. it's some it, it's some feedback that it's uh, people see the value in it. Um, I don't have any open issues, to be honest. And I'm really, 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 I really want to hear feedback from people that use it uh, because I can always make it better or make variations of it or maybe add. Uh, I'm, I pretty much use it as an example for a service when I write my, my blog posts about serverless and best practices. So it evolves over time due to the type of blogs and the things that I researched and just decided to describe. Uh, when I did the CDK best practices, so I just implemented them into the project where I, I had a better, clear image of what was missing. So I, I implemented there, so it was easy. We did try it at CyberArk at one point uh, with uh, uh, new, new hires. Uh, they, had, uh, they didn't have com company computers yet i don't need to get into the specifics uh we wanted to have uh we wanted to give them uh some design to try and they they were doing some final project for part of the training and we wanted to give them uh like a mine like a design to do with cdk and aws and i suggested that they try out my um, my template project and they tried it and they found some issues because they were using uh, Windows and I was using Mac. So the make file didn't work properly and, and some bugs there, some bugs there. Uh, and we fixed them and they were able to finish the project and learn CDK and get it done. The funny thing was that, uh, well, at the time, ChatGPT wasn't that popular as it is today. And if you recall, I said it's a, it's a junior level project. So they get it working in like five days. And once they get it done, we, we said, hey, maybe if we could tell ChatGPT to do the same thing, but like in an abstract manner, and maybe it could you know, solve the problem. And in five minutes, it basically created the same design and wrote the same code <laughs> for what they were trying to do. And that was pretty mind blowing. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. Um, yeah, but it sounds really, really cool. And, and I totally agree on, on the feedback problem in open source projects. I have projects that are decade old and I think nobody's using it. No stars, no issues. I can just close it down. And then somebody comes up, hey, do you do an update on it? I had no idea that somebody's using this. <laughs> yeah, I totally understand. Yeah, uh, well, like I said, I'm using it as examples for, for my, 
my blog post and I, I really strive to keep it updated. Uh, like every month, at least I, I update all the dependencies. I have security checks on all the dependencies. I use SNCC. It's, it's not part of the, it's part of the GitHub integrations. I have the code coverage and I have the SNCC security scans. I used to have the Pandabot. It stopped working at some point. I don't know why. So I, I moved to uh, SNCC. And yeah, I keep it uh, updated. So please let me know if, if the project is good not, or not. Definitely. Um, one question that comes to my mind, because coming from the CDK ecosystem, did you look into Progen? And if you could integrate it into Progen? Or um, I'm familiar with Progen, with the concept. Um, I've never uh, really tried it other than looking at the demos. Um, Integrated. It's basically kind of well. That's a nice idea. You know, it's a very interesting idea. Uh, I I don't know if a project provides you like a sample service. I know it just provides you like the folder structure. I, I don't think that there's a sample project that you're getting out of it in the end. And that's exactly the thing. So it's creating the project for you, which you could also use to build in all the things you build in in the, the best practices, like how running tests and the makes and all the things could be part of your Progen project. And Progen can also create sample code. Um, okay. So it, so the most files um, Progen managers are just managed by Progen. So they are overwritten when you rerun Progen. But there are um, files that you can say, if there is no source folder, please create this demo content. And if there is a source folder, don't do anything. Interesting. Which would be exactly like the sample code for the application itself. Yeah, I, I did get one one feedback at some point. Somebody told me, hey, you know, if I could generate your sample service is great, but what if I want uh, not an API gateway service? I want maybe a different integration example for service. So that's that's where I see that the progen concept getting, um, you know, mm -hmm. it, 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 re it, re it resembles it. Yeah. Um, I don't know about using it with project, but I think the concept is, is very good because I'm kind of forcing you to use API Gateway and Lambda, but maybe you have some different use case that you want to like quickly start. It's a good yeah. point. Because what I love with the Progen approach is as a template, if you change something, if you do bug fixes, I need to do diffs in, in my copy. And with Progen, I could just regenerate my project and the best practices in like, oh yeah, there was a fix in the build pipeline. It's just there. Hmm, that's cool. That's really cool. But that's definitely an interesting thing. And they are now expanding support for, for Python. So that might be a good thing to, yeah, we have some best practices here. We don't need to reinvent everything in, in Progen. So there is already somebody who did all these, these hard work, how to do a real project. So let's integrate it. Because let's be honest, Progen is written by TypeScript developers. So the Python code looks ugly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that it's definitely beneficial if somebody would provide input on how to do Python correctly and not like it compiles and it works. <laughs> yeah, there's so much more. Yeah. So uh, that's really, really a cool project. Um, so what are your learnings when building this out, the, the original version and the open source version on serverless technologies with Python? Well, I, I'm not sure that I, I learned about serverless. I mean... Um, it did make me think about um, best practices for all sorts of things. Even in the testing levels, I added new type of tests for infrastructure, uh, which is, well, um, 
infrastructure, as you can say, it's two parts. One is security test where I can synthesize the CDK stack into a cloud formation template and check if there's some role misconfigurations. Maybe I have an open bucket, public, public, public uh, bucket, and I'm using CDK NAG, which is like a CFN NAG incarnation for CDK. And then I can do that before I deploy and actually expose myself to a security risk. And I also can verify. I also had cases where you had an exception in CDK, in the CDK code. And for some reason, it was it was caught somewhere and it didn't fail the deployment. So it wasn't reverted. And it caused uh, one of our resources to get deleted. So that's a bummer. Right? Uh, oops, no bucket. Oops, no DynamoDB table. Oops, no data. So you can uh, you can basically create tests that, uh, well, you know, there's the, the infrastructure test in CDK. You have the reflection, the aspects of uh, functionality. So you can check, do I have this critical resource in the CloudFormation template? Yes or no? Um, is the logical ID of my stateful resource, did it change? Because if it changes, I'm going to lose the data. So I don't want to do that because some people... They're refactoring the code. They're moving constructs around for some reason, and they don't realize that they changed the ID of the resource. Then it gets deleted and recreated, and all the data is lost. Or if you have the retain policy, then maybe it's there, but your new table is empty. So not a great user experience when you yeah. when the data is not visible to the customer. So these are things that I've learned along the way, and I think. I think I spent more. I've spent more time on documentation and making a better developer experience and actually writing the service itself. Uh, because if the if the service is not easy to use, if it's not simple to use, and I, I don't want to think about too much. I, I want to develop, right? I want to write the code. I want to focus on the business domain. I don't want to. I want the the framework to work for me. I don't want to spend time understanding how to debug it, how to understand why it fails in the pipeline. I want everything to be simple. And these are the things that took me most of the time to understand, even internally at CyberArk, and especially when I'm writing the documentation, because when I write something that I think it's simple, or maybe it's clear, maybe it's not clear enough for somebody who is not familiar with serverless at all. So when I, when we use the, the template, uh, this template for the newcomer, the, the newbies, the juniors, they didn't know anything about serverless. So it was a great uh, uh, like test for my project to see if, the, if it really makes sense. Yeah, I totally relate to this. So all my open source projects, I think they have great code because that's why I write them, but they have shitty documentation. <laughs> and that's exactly the thing, which doesn't help adoption because if nobody knows how to use it, it doesn't matter if it's good code or bad code. Yeah, nobody will be able up. to use it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so that's definitely a downside of all my projects that the documentation is too bad. So I'm really happy that you fixed this and that you did a good documentation and that you did these things because that's exactly what, what's important for a project to, to be usable by others. Yeah, well, I hope I hope it's good documentation. By the way, please provide feedback on the documentation too. Um, I, I've learned a lot from the AWS Lambda PowerTools team and um, they have... Uh, amazing and amazing documentation. They have the process of the, of the documentation. It's very uh, structured and it's very easy to develop documentation. They're using GitHub pages, but the, you can 
you can write you write the, the documentation as part of the source code. There's a folder for it's called docs, and you can write the you write the, the, the documentation in markup. And then again, you have the makefile command to start a local server to display the documentation. You can see your changes live even, and you can do that before you change it, before I push it to production and people actually see that. So you know that you're not making any bugs and they have linters that I use on top of the documentation for code exam code samples. How many times did you have code samples in your documentation that didn't they had missing imports or they did they had some indentation issues. So that's no longer the case. I mean, they really perfected the the, the mechanism, the process of, of creating really good documentation. And um, I'm using their tools and their process. They really, it's amazing. That sounds really cool. I think I need to get one of them on the show to talk about automating documentation. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're the masters. Yeah. Yeah, that really, really sounds sounds cool. Um, any other tips you, you have for people starting with serverless? Well, um, I think that before you go and go and start the template and make, click make deploy and see everything and, and start debugging, maybe spend some time on the documentation where I go over the basics for what's the CI/CD pipeline does, why does it, uh, what's what's the CDK best practices, why I wrote it the way I did, how do you do logging, how do you do observability, how do you debug it. So it's all there in the documentation, just points to the different blog posts and best practices at AWS. Uh, just learn it and then just play with it, right? Uh, it's a great source of information. Yeah, that sounds really cool. Um, anything else you want to tell us about the project? I'm open to suggestions and feedback. Please, any feedback uh, is, is, is amazing. Just use it, enjoy it, and tell me what you think about it. Yeah, perfect. Definitely I will. Um, this has been great. Um, where can people find, more, more, find out more about you online? So there's my website, roundthebuilder.cloud. Yeah, it's the builder due to the <laughs> community builders. Uh, on Twitter, um, my handle is EisenbergRan, and on LinkedIn, also, you can find me. Yeah, I will put the links in the show notes. Anything you want to promote besides no. your cool template? <laughs> no. Okay. That, that's, yeah. Perfect. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. All right, folks. That's it for today. I'm Thorsten Hüger, and I hope you join me again next time for Cloud Automation Weekly.